Understanding the LGBTQ community can be a little tricky when it comes to knowing how to approach situations, understanding what lingo to use and what words mean, and wanting to help out but not knowing where to start. With the launch of the Live Proud Live Free Network, Abby Rogers, Craig Jones, Mel Breakin, and Chatel Baines have taken the time to answer all the questions that have been submitted through the launch. Keep listening as they discuss why we need to continue to talk about the subject, give you a lesson in LGBTQ plus 101 and let you know what everything means. They'll also show you how you can be an ally to the community. Hello and welcome to the first podcast brought to you by the Live Proud Live Free Network. On the panel today, we have Abby, Craig, Mel and Chatel. And over the last few weeks, we have asked the wider community to send in any questions they have about the LGBTQ plus community. And today we're here to answer them all so we can open the conversation and make not only the working environment welcoming for everyone, but also extend that out to our communities as well and make it as inclusive as we possibly can. So with all the questions that have come in, um, one of the one I would like to start us off with is why do we need to talk about this subject? So a lot of people feel it's been brought up a lot and it's just kind of being replayed again and again. And one of the questions that kind of was pointed out is that no one in their team is gay, so it doesn't affect them. And they don't kind of feel it's part of their place to kind of learn more. And some people take the attitude of, are you just in trying to encourage more people to come out? So my question to you all is, why should we be engaging with this subject and opening ourselves up to learn more? For me, it's all around inclusive language. So sexual orientation and gender identity is um, a physical disability, for example, that you can see. So actually having open dialogues, like I could, I could manage a team of people Theoretically, I wouldn't necessarily know if how someone identified. So by having sort of open conversations with, with team members uh, and having inclusive language allows people to really, truly be themselves and not worry about coming out. I mean, I hate that term anyway. Um, but, you know, they're, they're able to sort of be themselves in the workplace. An example for, from that is... Um, I was in Marks and Spencer's recently, Valentine's weekend, buying some flowers. And a lovely lady that worked there came up to me and sort of said, did I need any help? Um, so I was like, oh, I'm just having a browse, just looking at the flowers, you know, don't really do that sort of thing very often, but um, went out of my way. Unintentionally, she said, what does she like? is there a particular colour flower that she likes having in the house? And I was a bit taken back, but obviously she subconsciously didn't think anything of it. Um, but that's just a really clear example of actually having that inclusive language makes a big impact. I could be a customer buying a kitchen in Juicer um, and be approached. And if the language isn't inclusive, I might actually leave and go elsewhere where I feel that I can, you know, I'm accepted as a customer. Um, so I think that's really important. I was going to say, I think it, I think you're right. And from a business perspective, it shows maturity within a business if we can demonstrate that we're using the right language, um, whether we're talking to colleagues or whether we're talking to customers. So regardless of whether you can confidently say, I don't have people within my team, within my business unit who are gay, it still doesn't mean you shouldn't discuss these topics you shouldn't understand um how some of the wording and the phrasing that we use impacts people and i think externally when people are looking at applying for roles within businesses these are things that matter more and more to people around diversity and, and inclusion um and it's a selling point for people to join a business to feel that you know it's a progressive organisation, a place where people can be safe in who they are and they can work in a safe environment. 
And I think the other thing is as well, um, you know, looking outside of our organisation, it helps our community in general because for those people that might be outgoing from Sangaban, um, you know, if we can talk about it within our company, there's still lots of companies out there that are lagging behind in talking about the, the LGBTQ community and having that as part of their business and their infrastructure and their legal processes and everything else. And if we can do it within Sangaban, then we're going to be helping the wider community as well. Absolutely. Do I, I think as well the, um, the question I'd put back is... Well, if if you're saying, oh, well, nobody nobody in my team's gay, I'm, I, this is not kind of non-issue for me. How do you know? Maybe there is, but have you created an environment where that person feels like they can be authentic with you, or do they feel actually oh, this is something I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna have to hide now? Um, so it could be there's a there's an element of that. Um, Craig, with your point with the language. What could that person have, have said other than automatically putting that assumption on you? What would have been more inclusive language that you'd have felt like, oh, this is the place for me? Just changing sort of the language to partner, non-specific, you know, it, it wouldn't have taken me back as much as what it did. And it's not the first time it's happened, you know, engagement ring shopping, all of these things that you'd kind of take for granted as a straight heterosexual person cisgendered you know it's kind of it really sort of brings it to the forefront if you are from that community you notice a lot more in terms of the non-inclusive language she didn't mean anything by it but you know if we're mindful about how we address people uh, and sort of talk to people in more open and inclusive ways it's only going to sort of make make things better for everybody and I yeah, think it's that awareness, kind of being aware of your, it might be something that you're not used to, you're changing the something to everyone or something to partner, but it's not a, a hugely problematic thing for people to change that little element, really. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say that I don't think it's just people from the LGBTQ plus community that it, it affects. So I, as someone from an ethnic minority background, I would look at the language that people use and if they are using language that feels like they're not being inclusive, I then start to form opinions in my own head about, well, what must they think of me as someone from a, a minority background? So it doesn't just affect whether you have people in your teams that are from an LGBTQ plus background, but actually it could affect the people that are from minority backgrounds as well because they'll listen and they will pick up on the language that you use. And then they'll say, well, if that's what you think about this group of people, what do you think about people that are from my group? So I think it's not just about, you know, we don't have people from that background in my organisation or in my team. So it's not an issue for us. You've got to look at the wider picture as well. You kind of take it for granted thinking that you accept everyone for who they are and then you don't realise that not everyone does that still and some people can still receive a lot of like hate from the wider society with regards to who they are which you completely take for granted as um, like a straight cisgendered person because you don't experience that at all. What can we do to start to kind of engage people with to kind of feel comfortable with sharing who they are. I think it's it's all about the conversations, isn't it? It's making sure that we are providing a safe space for conversations to be had and for people to not feel like if I talk about a, a topic or a subject which some people might not be comfortable with, that there's going to be consequences to that. Um, and we can only do that through things like what we're doing here with the podcast um, through highlighting and sharing different experiences um, and actually showing real life examples of where these people have succeeded, especially within our business and, you know, progress their careers or have clear career paths that have been set out to them, because then it shows that there is opportunity. And I think that's what will open up more and more of those conversations so that more people from those minority groups are in those teams where 
you presume there aren't as many of them in. Um, and then they can come in, they can integrate and they can help to build those conversations as well as, you know, hearing about them and learning through what you have to do through your work learning. With the world of kind of learning more about the LGBTQ plus community, there's a lot of confusion about what the letters actually stand for. So <laughs> <laughs> shall we kind of go through what each of the letters mean? Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, so uh, what well, we can talk about it here, there's also, if you're not aware, on Boost, we've made up a wee playlist with some explainers. So if you put into Boost, learn about LGBTQ um, or LGBT or LG, <laughs> it should come up uh, there. So you can have a wee, a wee nosy on that for some more kind of around uh, the basics, if, if you like. But <laughs> have you set that up in a way, Katie, that we'll each do a letter? <laughs> um I mean, we can do. <laughs> or if someone wants to just kind of take the lead with that one. <laughs> and not what all the letters mean. So it's uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer or questioning. So there's, it's, it's funny because LGBTQ plus is a hell of a mouthful, right? I think, first of all, nobody's going to be like, oh, God, if you get it like mixed up. OK, it's not going to be the end of the world if you don't remember all the letters. There's um on uh, social media at the moment, there's a thing going. I don't know if you guys have seen where um, we're called the alphabet mafia because there's so many letters attached. <laughs> but yeah, in, in essence, that the LGBTQ uh, that's that's what it stands for. Um, but there's a, a few, if you investigate, if you fancy investigating further, there's some more letters in there. But that's why the plus is there, just for the additional wee elements. The, the plus sort of signifies all the gender identities and orientations that are not covered within the, the LGBTQ. So, so, yeah, that kind of captures everybody else that doesn't typically fit into one of those categories. So you mentioned with social media and the term alphabet mafia. How does that make you feel? <laughs> I, I personally, I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a social media has got a lot of pros and cons, um, but a big pro is finding a sense of, oh my God, there's other people like me. Uh, and and you can have like funny little in jokes like that. There's there's a whole community sense, and it's and it's wonderful. And I think with the LGBT community in particular, the there's a sense of isolation when you don't see or hear from people like you anywhere. It can be very isolating, and that's usually detrimental to you as a human. Um, it's not just the LGBT community, but it's particularly typical, I think. So having that, oh, there's other people like me and other people that can relate to my experience. Social media, I think that's one of the things they, they have nailed lots of cons. But um, but yeah, I, and I, I like the term alphabet mafia. I do. But uh, it's maybe maybe I'm more not as profesh. <laughs> <laughs> In incidentally, I, I have actually got the full alphabet here if anybody wants to hear it. <laughs> oh, wow. It is, it's like uh, 27 letters. <laughs> LGBQQIP2SAA, which is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, intersex, pansexual, two spirits, asexual, and finally allies. <laughs> I like how allies are included in that as well because it's they can like really uplift the community as well and we'll get more onto that momentarily but we've got a few more questions about the kind of LGBTQ plus 101. Um, so cisgender is quite a new term that not many people are using but it's more in day-to-day -day conversation so what are the key terms and meanings that people may bring up? 
Yeah, so cisgender or cis is something it's usually referred to as well. It's basically someone where their gender identity is the same as the sex that they're assigned at birth. So um, other terms that you might come across are non-binary. So that's, that's very much an umbrella term for someone whose identity doesn't sit comfortably with either a man or a woman. Um, so there's somewhere within the spectrum. Um, non-binary identities are varied and can include people who identify from some aspects of binary identities. So yeah, it's very much, I don't know if people watch um, Queer Eye on Netflix, there's actually a non-binary person on there who from day to day will express the gender in different ways. So one day he might express himself as more of a, a man, so would typically wear male clothes, whereas another day he might express himself more as a, a female um, and refer to different pronouns, which I'm sure we'll come on to. So their pronouns might be they and them rather than he or she. Um, so it's the best way to address those conversations is just ask a question. You know, everyone's different, we're all unique. And the way in which somebody identifies will differ from person to person. So for example, I identify as a male. My pronouns are he or him. When you're not used to, uh, or if you've not been involved in the LGBT conversation, a lot of this, the things we're talking about here might be a lot of new language and like oh my god am I going to have to learn all of this stuff to be to be remotely knowledgeable on LGBT issues is one thing I noticed when I because I, I did some work with LGBT Youth Scotland and I knew I was bi but I knew nothing about like gender or pronouns or anything like that and one thing that struck me was when I started I got a really great explainer um I was like god this isn't as complicated actually as it's kind of made out to be so all this uh, this all makes sense and yeah I get that it's new, it was completely new terminology you know cisgender is is still new um non-binary all this kind of stuff but actually if you have a wee read up on it on, on some good sources it's really not that com complicated it's just a bit new maybe um, but the thing is, it's not it's not new for people who identify as non-binary or in the LGBT uh, sphere, if you like. So it might sound a bit like crikey. It's not that it's not that scary. I think that's important, isn't it? Because, you know, people have identified in their own personal way for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's just that it's only now that we have an opportunity to speak openly and safely um, about this topic. So, you know, if you think about it, it isn't new. It was just not spoken about. And that's why it feels new and anything new, as we know, even in business, you know, if you change a process, that can feel difficult when you first start. But actually, when you start doing it and when you start opening conversations and, and getting used to it, you understand it a little bit more. And then it becomes second nature and it's not difficult anymore. And I think these topics are exactly the same. They feel new. You feel scared. I mean, hearing all those, the full letters of uh, the LGBTQ plus community, I've got to say, scared me a little bit um, because I feel like I'm not saying them correctly now. But actually, if you keep hearing them, keep saying them, keep talking about these topics, you know, they don't. They're not scary anymore and they're not difficult and you'll get used to it. And I think it's just about opening conversation and continuing conversations within a safe environment where people can say, hold their hands up and say, actually, I don't know anything or I don't have any friends without feeling like, well, well, that must mean that you're homophobic or, you know, that you don't understand or you're very narrow minded. It doesn't. It just means that it's not something you've come across yet, but be open to it be open to learn and be open to understand. I think that's the key message there. And you raise a good point there. And it's actually, yeah, it's kind of new for if you're thinking in terms of like UK or, or American kind of terms, but cultures all across the world, it's not new at all, actually. Um, and goes back spanning, you know, 
hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's kind of new to us because we're talking about it in a business world. Um, and maybe it's not been spoken so much previously. But when you do a bit of investigating on it, it's quite interesting. There's lots of um, historical uh, information on non-binary people and uh, two-spirit people and all that. So it's, um, yeah. And it's like anything. I know I'm from the LGBT community, but I'm no means an expert. And there's areas that I'm not particularly knowledgeable on. Um, but for me, it's about building my awareness of that, educating myself as well, to be able to be the voice um, and really represent our community the best that we can possibly do. One of the questions we had was, um, I thought we weren't supposed to say queer anymore. Is it okay now? What would your opinions be on that one? So personally, I, I don't mind that time, but I know of other friends and colleagues that actually get offended by that time. Um, what I would say is when you're having conversations with people, query it, you know, understand from them how they want to be referred to in terms of their identity. I would always refer to myself as a gay male rather than a queer. That's just that's just the way that I identify. Um, I think it probably stems from queer being used in quite a derogatory way. Um, you know, from school years and sort of upwards, but people that grew up through the AIDS crisis as well in the 80s, you know, that queer was quite a term that caused a lot of offence to a lot of people um, and tarnished people in a particular way. So I think it's more deep-rooted. Um, so it's always best to sort of clarify that with the person. It kind of links a little bit back to what we've already said, you know, by having an open and frank discussion with people. Um, that's how you learn more about them and, you know, their pronouns, how they like to be addressed and how they live their life, you know. And by by engaging more, you learn more. So I think that kind of links back to what we've already discussed as well. As Craig said, you know, it depends on people's personal opinions as to whether they feel comfortable with it everybody's on their own journey and not to no two journeys will ever be the same so if in doubt ask or you know if you're if you're too afraid or you don't feel like you have a um a close enough relationship with that person then try using a different phrase or a different word instead um if you're afraid to offend somebody by using the wrong terminology yeah and i think if something does go wrong you know um it's not always the end of the world most people are quite sort of um willing to forgive and forget i had an incident just recently where i was misgendered over a telephone and somebody couldn't see my face and when i corrected them on um, my title and everything they they apologised and said a member of their family was part of the community and they didn't mean to offend and everything else, but it was perfectly all right. You know, um, they didn't know me. Um, all they could hear was a voice on the other end of the phone. But, yeah, it's just, um, as you say, it's just about if, if you don't know how somebody identifies, then don't identify them until you have a conversation, I guess. Yeah, and it doesn't, I, I think these types of conversations don't have to be daunting either if if i was to speak to somebody um <clears throat> you know i'm I saying like i was out with some friends at the weekend and you know i'm part of the queer community so you know I, we went to a gay bar or whatever um if i'm just talking about my date it would be completely reasonable for somebody to say to me um you know Oh, I, I'm not sure about saying the word queer. You've just said it. Is it okay? If, is that appropriate for me to say it? And that, you know, I'd be like, well, you know, so so the conversations don't have to be a, oh God, I have to talk about this topic. <laughs> or it, it can be as simple as, do you have any preferred pronouns that you'd like me to use? Super, super simple. Doesn't have to be a huge, big thing. Just like you said there, Abby, doesn't, it's not the end of the world, but it's, if you want to know, and you want to be respectful in that way, it's fine to ask. I think it's always good like, to give people a heads up as well. So my daughter um, has a teacher who is transgendered and the teacher was going to ring me because she she'd done some really good work. And um, my daughter said to me, oh, Mr. Searson's going to call you. But just so you know, mom, 
He may sound like a woman on the phone, but it's not. You have to call him Mr. Searson. And so when he did call me, I was aware and I was able to have a, a conversation with him. So sometimes it's about helping each other as well. And if you know somebody prefers um, different pronouns to what you would presume they are at face value, you know, just giving somebody a heads up and saying, you know, she likes to be referred to as she or, you know, whatever it is that they would prefer. And it just helps that transition in that conversation. I'm sorry if I've gone a bit off, off topic, but just because we've been talking about pronouns, um, <clears throat> I think used my point there really well, Sheetal, is that pronouns that you might hear people talking about, like, oh, this person likes to be referred to as they, them. That's been quite a talking point in the media and things now of people maybe getting a bit outraged of I'm, I'm not going to refer to somebody as a plural. That's ridiculous. And, you know, I'm going to refer to somebody as he or him or she or her. And that's that's the end of it. And on the face of it, you know, you can kind of see where that person's coming from. But actually, the they them thing is kind of a non-issue because we use it all the time. Um, you know, if I if I found an iPhone on the ground, being the, you know, saint that I am, I would I would find the iPhone and go, oh, crikey, whoever this is, they'll be absolutely gutted that they've lost their iPhone. I'll go and hand it into the police station, uh, hand it in, and the police policeman might go, oh, right, okay, well, we'll make sure we get it back to them. Let me know. You know, that whole thing is all they then, and we use it all the time. So I think there's a little bit of kin at in some places in the media, there's a bit of full outrage about pronouns. Would really, it's it's a kind of non non thing, in my in my opinion. I think the other thing is as well about she tells um, comment about learning more about the people, and if you can have um, a background on them. Personally, I always put my pronouns onto my emails and everything else. So anybody that comes into contact with me. Um, you know, on, if, if it's through an email or anything like that, then um, it's always helpful because you're giving people an insight into into your preferred pronouns and everything, and you're, you're just giving them a helping hand. That was one of the questions, actually. A lot of people were asking about pronouns and what it's all about. One comment in particular was, I can clearly see you're a woman or you're a man. Why do you have she, her, he, him, they, them listed in your email or your LinkedIn profile or anywhere on social media? Um, why do people think or like feel that they need to list their pronouns rather than kind of letting people assume or even use they, them? I mean, for my example, personally, if I um you know, if I email with somebody, I have my pronouns on there. Um, they can already see that I prefer to be she or her. But if I hadn't have already given them that information and had a phone conversation, then for them to listen to my voice, they may not necessarily realise, you know, um, I am a transgender person and I still have a deep voice. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes depending on the context of the conversation, how you're having it, you know, things can be... Um, very skewed if you don't you know depending on what platform you're using yeah I, I think for um from my point of view as a cisgender woman um my mom actually asked me that because I put them in my email signature and I sent her an email <laughs> and she was like why on earth do you have that uh in your email signature you know and I was like well because it makes it for it makes it a, a, a normal thing because you don't want a transgender person to be like, oh God, I've, I'm the only person that's, have, you know, I want to put this on my emails for the reasons that you just described, Abby. It, it It's just that kind of like, let's make this all a little bit more comfy for everybody. So that's why I put them in, in my email signature, just, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's about normalising the discussion as well, so that, you know, it just becomes everyday chat amongst colleagues, you know, how do you identify, um, you know, so that we can properly address people. Because by doing that, it's really going to pave the way in terms of creating an inclusive environment for everybody. Um, 
you know, Abby's touched on being misgendered before and, you know, just on that basis, we don't we don't want to sort of exclude people or make colleagues feel uncomfortable. The aim of our network really is to help people be their authentic selves through educating people. And I think if we just normalise the, the topic and the conversation, it's only going to sort of improve everybody's lives for the better. One wee thing to that is that it's also, it's it's more than being nice to people. I wouldn't want to just like, oh, I better not offend that person or I want to be nice to that person. It's about who we are as as people. It's more fundamental to our overall well-being as humans. It's a, it, So it's not me offending somebody and them getting a bit upset about it. It's It's a bigger effect. So it's good to be mindful of actually I might not not know the effect this has on somebody because it's not part of my like reality so maybe let's put an extra bit of care into this because I don't know the impact this may have I think. If, if I misgendered um, it can really put a sort of um, negative spin on my day you know and I think it does have implications on mental health and your well-being you know um, and the opposite goes if i'm if i'm gender correctly it makes me a happier person it makes me you know um mentally i feel much happier and and my days go so much better you know so yeah it does it's quite deep rooted and um i think it's a very important subject really yeah definitely it's all about understanding where people are coming from what makes them feel comfortable included and like you're saying, Abby, um, feeling happy at the end of the day. You don't want to make anyone feel sad. <laughs> Part of that is understanding the meanings behind each of the like the LGBTQ plus acronym. Like one of the questions we also had was, um, does bisexual mean that you just fancy everyone then? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you're, all, you're all at risk. Watch out. <laughs> I suppose I, I could give a wee bit of insight on that. Um, so I, with with everything, it's about the the people, I think. Just from my own experience, um, and it's, I can't speak for everybody under the bisexual um, kind of umbrella, if you like. But from my experience, it's um, I've heard a few things like, oh, you must fancy everybody, or um, people getting a bit like, Oh God, are you going to fancy me? I'm a woman. Are you going to, you know? Or there's the old, old-fashioned view of if you're um, bi and you're male, then actually you're not bi. You're just gay and not wanting to admit it. Or if you're a woman and you're bi, it's oh, it's just a phase, and you'll you'll marry a guy, you know, in the end or whatever. And it's it's. If you're bi for me, it's you fall in love with the person regardless of gender. It's the person. Um, and that could be of any gender. Um, doesn't have to be. I know bi is kind of, you know, it's, it's binary. And yeah, that's how it kind of started out before we knew more about gender. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just the person. So you love it really is. It is who you love. And one of the other things we had come in is that someone has said, I know I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community, but my family are extremely homophobic due to religious reasons. What advice or like what support out there is there for people who may be going through such a thing? There's actually some good resources on Stonewall around this very topic. We could maybe share the link out somehow after the the, um, the link in the description. Yeah, so the, there's different communities really. So like there's Diverse Church, which is a support group for Christian LGBT individuals. It's got over 600 members. There's one for LGBT Sikhs, LGBT Muslim charities. There's there's quite a different variety really in terms of different support groups that are out there. I think one one key thing for me is at work as well. We've got mental health first aiders um, who are a fantastic support. It's a known fact that people in the LGBT community are more at risk of having poor mental well-being. 
So it's about having those open discussions with people and mental health first aid as well, but to signpost individuals to the relevant support as well. Excellent. I'm glad that there's support out there for um, everyone. One thing that could help to support and uplift uh, the community is um, allies. And allies is a term that people keep on hearing in their day-to-day lives again. Um, But what does it actually mean to be an ally? Um, So as an ally of the of live proud live free um for me it's 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 more emotive for me so again coming from a minority background I can share and relate to some of the emotions attached behind some of the stigma um of being from a minority group um and so I understand what it feels like to be siloed out because you are different um and so whatever i can do to help and support the people that go through those similar emotions on a daily basis um you know i want to be able to do so for me that's that's what allyship means and it's it's about um using my experience and our shared experience to educate and inform others who maybe would never you know have those experiences and to share how sometimes things are made more difficult because of our differences um, and how we can make things better for everybody and give everybody a level playing field. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's you've got two phases really. So you've got passive acceptance, which is someone just phase, you know, I've got a gay friend, so I'm fine with it. Being an ally goes one step further in terms of truly getting under the grit of it and understanding the issues that LGBT people face, but also advocating for them. So if you're seeing behaviour that's not acceptable, it's about calling it out um, and really supporting the minority group um, to feel included at work and to, to really be able to be themselves. So it's about pushing forward and being an advocate really. Is, is my view. Yeah, well, for me, um, Craig kind of hit the nail on the head because an ally for me would be somebody that would um, speak up if they saw or heard something maybe at work um, and defend me in some sort of way. Just, yeah, somebody that's sort of um, willing to to learn about our community and, and support in any way that they can, really. Yeah, I think it's the same for me. It's the it's more the active um because you know you hear that you hear a lot that oh i'm i'm fine with gay people and like to me that's like well yeah because we're all humans so i would expect that you know we're all people um but for for if you want to be an ally for the community or for any minority group for me, it's the understanding and it's the uh, the um, proactive nature of what you do. So learning more about the community, speaking to people, getting over maybe that wee barrier of like, oh, I don't know whether I can, uh, I'm worried about offending somebody or whatever. It's fine to get over that if you're, uh, you know, get some knowledge there um, and then Call call it exactly like Abby and, and Craig said there. If you overhear something that's maybe in the spirit of a bit of banter or like, oh, they don't mean it that way. But yeah, they might they might not, but like actually let's not let's not talk like that. And or or say like, look, mate, that's not really on. Let's not go down that route. I don't want to hear uh, hear that kind of language or anything in my team or whatever so it's the it's the activity behind it and the understanding I think both of which very achievable and I know there's plenty I tell you what some of the comments since we launched some of the um comments that we've received from the videos we've put out and the, the communications we've put out have been so amazing um and there's a real desire to understand more is one of the things we've we've talked about in this steering group um of how how heartwarming and wonderful that is to have people go, I want to understand more, I want to help, I want to proactively promote 
diversity and inclusion in Sangaban. Um, and it's it's a wonderful thing. So there's a real appetite for this understanding, I think. And um, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. What would you say, is there a difference between the someone who's an ally versus someone who's a supporter? An ally really does support the community, in essence, in my view anyway. I think the difference would be an ally versus somebody that accepts that we exist and that we're there and somehow that's okay but you're in your corner sort of thing out of the way. Um, so an ally goes one step further but support being a big sort of a function of an ally really in terms of standing up, avoiding sort of non-inclusive presumptions in terms of the little lady of Marks and Spencers that helped me um, for some Valentine's flowers. You know, it, it's things like that. If, if we can sort of address our own language and how we speak to people, about people, um, that's really how an ally personally helps me. Yeah, for me, I see someone that supports a community or, you know, doesn't feel like they're against that community is someone that accepts Whereas someone who's an ally is someone who's willing to take action, whether that's calling somebody out or whether that's helping to educate, whatever it might be. But they're willing to take action in some way to support that community. So it's that, like Craig said, it's that one step further. You can support, you can support, you know, whoever you want, but that doesn't actually mean you've got to do something. Supporting means you're accepting Whereas allyship means that you're willing to take action and call things out or go out and educate people and share experiences to to help people better understand. Another question that we've had from um, the group is, as an ally, it would help me to understand how you feel when someone is being nasty or doesn't necessarily use the correct language. How can we help? Um, What should we do? What should we say? if anything needs to be said at all and how would it make you feel as well? I think the biggest hesitancy that people have when it comes to hearing something that doesn't quite feel right or you know they shouldn't be saying that kind of stuff is well actually they're they're not a bad person they probably don't understand but to use that as an excuse not to say something is probably more damaging because unless you call it out and you call it out rightly you know you don't you don't have to go over and shout at them or have a go at them but you could have a quiet conversation and say you know and and talk through what they said maybe how it made you feel or how you know it would make one of your colleagues feel if they were to overhear that conversation um and just educate people i think we don't do enough of that out of fear of offending someone or knowing that actually they're a nice person. They just, you know, they said something that maybe they shouldn't. Or um, I've I've had it from family members who have gone, well, I, I'm just too old. I'm stuck in my ways. Well, no, because we're always learning as humans. You know, our natural instinct is to learn and to adapt. We, we change. We physically, our bodies change over time and they're changing every day. So we have to learn to adapt to the restrictions and and you know what our bodies allow us to do so actually no we're you know we're not stuck in our ways because we're always changing we're always evolving um and i think that we have to stop making excuses for people and start educating and sharing more in order to stop having to have those conversations and until we don't start doing that we'll never see this go away yeah and i think um, you know, those that are willing to learn are the ones that you really sort of, um, you know, you, personally, I don't mind as much. You know, if I know, say, a family member, I, I know that they would always make every effort to try and gender me correctly, for example. So if they did slip up, then, you know, I don't exactly go berserk and sort of say, you know, what's going on kind of thing, because I know I know what type of a person they are. But maybe if you've asked somebody not to do that on several occasions and it keeps happening then you kind of start to question well why aren't you learning from the situation you know and are you really sort of um, an ally or, or what have you I was just going to touch on the nasty point in terms of how how does it make you feel and I think personally my journey has been quite 
quite nice compared to a lot of people that I've that I've been friends with and their experiences. You know, I've got a supportive family and my friends and stuff and the teams that I've worked with in Sangaban and other workplaces have been great. But I've spent a lot of my years sort of building these barriers to display myself as this straight male because I don't want attention. I don't want any sort of aggravation or conflict or anything. You know, it's just not... I want an easy life, do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so... But you spend years then breaking down, and I'm doing this now to determine, well, actually, all these barriers that are built up, who's Craig? You know, what part of Craig is Craig, and which part is this made-up barrier to sort of avoid any conflict? So, you know, you spend a lot of time breaking it down, but my point, anyway, um, a couple of months ago, I was walking down the street with my partner and our dog, and a group of lads drove past in the car and sort of shouted out the window, you're gay, you are. And I was kind of like, well, factually, yes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> but um, it was the way in which it was sort of delivered. You know, it was done in a way to make us feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, people are being attacked within our community and throwing glass bottles at and stuff like that. So you do always have that apprehension around, am I safe? Even silly things, you know, when you're going on holiday, you have to think about, is this a safe place for LGBT individuals? Which It's things like that you probably wouldn't even take into consideration um, unless you're from that community, I guess. So it's just about being mindful. I, th- I think that's a really good point. If you're not, if you're not part of the community or are um, actively interested, uh, like we spoke about with the the whole ally thing, um, it can quite easily pass pass you by uh, the actual real life societally imposed consequences. I don't know a single person in the LGBT community who hasn't had a terrible experience purely because of them being part of the community um, and somebody out with that disagreeing or wanting to share their opinion loudly or violently with them, you know? So I think um, there's there's so many examples that are really clear to people within the community because it's kind of relevant to us because we're, we're in the community. But if you're out with that, it's not, this is not just about making somebody feel uncomfortable. There's real life, real world threats of violence that happen. People uh, are killed for being gay still. Um, we saw those images not that long ago of the two women on the bus covered in blood. Uh, you know, it's it's not stuff that's just outlier things, unusual stuff. People in the community really face having to deal with that. and And some of the defence mechanisms you can put up are the barriers like you were saying Craig to go I don't want to deal with the hassle sometimes Um, you know and it's completely all of this is quite intersectional you know the people most at risk are um, black trans women uh, in in the community Um, so it all links in with each other but it's I, what I want to put across as a very pri- I'm very privileged in this conversation because I'm cisgender. I you know I'm past it. You you know you'd speak to me. You'd think um, I wasn't part of the community. I'm a white person from a privileged position. Through my learning and speaking to people in the community, I can see the real threat that other people that aren't as privileged as me have to face on a day-to-day basis and that's a big element of what makes me care so much about it. Completely because you may not see it every day in your own lives what people go through so you kind of take it for granted and you may have this kind of point of view that I accept everyone for who they are so everyone else must also do the same but I just really don't understand how someone could be so nasty to someone else based on who they are. It's just kind of mind boggling to me. So that's all the questions that we've had so far. Obviously, um, to the audience, if you have any more, add them to the comments below. But 
to you all on the panel. Um, anything that you'd like to add as like final remarks? I guess for me, it's just about education. So please go out, check the Boost playlist that Mal referred to earlier. Some cracking resources on there. And, um, you know, Mal and the L&D team of yourself, Kate, worked really hard to put those together. So please just put yourself out there, learn more about the community um, and really just help to drive positive changes within your own businesses. Um, and just when you're saying stuff, just be mindful around, is what I'm about to say truly inclusive? And just always sort of check yourself really in terms of your language. I think it's a, it can be a learning curve if this um, if, if the kind of topics that we've covered today are new to you. Um, I think just having the conversation, just the fact that you've, you're watching this podcast, it's an amazing starting point. Um, and it, it, it's, yeah, just to echo what Craig said, learn a bit more about it. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, it's, it's not the end of the world if you get things wrong. We all we all do. And we're all on a journey with this. Uh, that can sometimes sound a bit naff, I think. But it's, it is true. Like, you know, it's with anything. We're all on a journey. We can all learn. Um, and even within the community. Yeah, we're all still learning. Um, but I will say it's not as tricky as it may appear on the outside, even with all the letters. I promise. <laughs> especially with this being the first podcast as part of the network there's going to be more there's going to be loads of learning opportunities as well I think for me it's been great to hear about your different perspectives your experiences on the questions that have been brought to us it will really help make the world a better home not for our colleagues to feel safe in their working environment but also our customers as well so it's really important that we can kind of continue this podcast series and everything that the group's doing with regards to learning and talking about it and making everyone feel included um, of course the conversation doesn't end here with the podcast there's the two yammer pages that we linked below in the comments and the first one is the live proud live free network and the diversity um, equity inclusion and belonging group as well but of course there's also your playlist mel on learning about the LGBTQ plus community as well. So that we linked on Boost below also. Can I jump in on that? So yeah. uh, just, just for clarity's sake, so the two Yammer pages, the Live Proud, Live Free Yammer page is for people, if you identify as part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, if you're not part of the community, but you want to support and be an ally and keep up to date with everything we're doing, um, definitely head over to the DEIB Yammer page um, and you'll see all the amazing stuff that's happening around diversity. It's it's great. So, um, yeah, so if you are in the LGBT community, come over to Live Proud, Live Free. Uh, and if if you're not and you want to check out some diversity stuff and all the cool things we're doing, DEIB. Excellent. So thank you all so much for taking the time out of your very busy days to answer all of these questions that we've all had. And goodbye to the audience. <laughs>